So uh, next week we're starting a new series, uh, Times of Refreshing. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, one of the things that he said in Acts chapter 3, verse 18, he said, repent to the crowd that he was preaching. He said, repent and turn to the Lord, and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And we really believe that, that what's the most refreshing thing that can happen? You know, it's great to have, rain is great. In In August, to get rain like this, it's a blessing. You know, thank you, Lord, because already, you know, we had cracks that you could lose a small child in. Uh, in the yard, and uh, so it's great to it's great to have a little bit of rain, and so we're thankful for that. And it's refreshing. And and so in the same ways, the Lord does that in our soul. He does that in our He refreshes our spirit. We get energized and recharged. And sometimes, you know, we need to kind of I know we need to kind of get back on track. We need to get reconnected with what God's wanting to do in our life. I know we've all experienced this where we just kind of feel like we're in a malaise. We're kind of like bored and nothing's really going well. And, uh, and one of the ways that God can get you out of that is send you suffering. So, or you can turn to him and be refreshed by his presence. Which one do you want? Okay. Suffering it is. All right. Uh, (laughs) didn't answer that question. I'm sorry. Uh, so, but God uses that. He wants to refresh us. So we'll be talking about that for the next, uh, next couple of weeks uh, as, as we go through. You know, it's, it's almost school just starting in a week or two. And I bring it up and all the kids go, like, And all the parents go, yes, freedom. Uh, so today I'm going to, I thought, you know, so my last, this is the last in the series of things Jesus didn't say. So I thought I'd do something light for summer. Uh, don't worry about hell. It's not real. Things Jesus never said, don't worry about hell. So, you know, people don't preach about hell very much, but hell is very important for us to understand, have a good theology, our theology. What does the Bible teach about hell? Because there's a lot of attacks on the truth about hell. So we need to know what we believe. And so uh, uh, I think it's important we, we talk about hell. Hell's not our, you know, hell is not the focus of, our, of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is important. It is a consequence. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, in a, a LifeWay study, they said that uh, 67% of Americans, oh, by the way, it was crazy sock day for children's church. So I wore my, I wear these all the time. You just never see them, but these are my crazy socks. I've got a lot of them. Uh, and so I, I thought I'd take it all the way and go with my crazy pants. Uh, <laughs> that's what they call me, crazy pants. Uh, because the shoes are so blah, you know, they're just blah shoes, that, you know, not blue or pink or something. So, even heaven. Two-thirds of Americans believe in heaven, which that's pretty good, right? Two-thirds of Americans believe in heaven. About six in ten Americans believe in hell. Sixty-one percent of people believe in hell. Uh, the, but the problem with this, uh, their theology is not good because they believe most everybody's going to heaven and nobody's going to hell. So they believe in heaven and they believe everybody's going and they believe in hell, and they believe nobody's going. They think hell is reserved for, you know, bad people, murderers, rapists, but not them, because they feel like, in other words, that's the qualifier. I'm not a murderer, so I get to go to heaven. I mean, that's setting the bar pretty low, right? <laughs> well, I haven't killed anybody, so I should get to go to heaven. So, so they do believe in hell, but they don't really understand how, how or why people go to hell or what hell is about. 
And the reality, you know, some people today, one of the, one of the teachings that is spreading today is universalism. Uh, universalism is the teaching that everyone goes to heaven eventually. And, and it has different threads about it. It's some that uh, you, you, Jesus did die for your sins, and when you die, you get to decide if you want to, you know, if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior then. The only problem with that, the Bible says it's appointed to man who wants to die, and after that, the judgment. So, you know, there, but that, that's, the, universalism is, is, a, is a theology that everybody goes to heaven eventually. So they would say that, that you may go to hell, but you're going to go to hell for a little while, and you're going to, in a sense, atone for your sins in hell which would make the work of Christ of no effect. That means that Jesus didn't die for your sins. You died for your sins. So, so that we are, the theology of hell and, is under attack, so we need to see about what the Bible says about it. So I've got a lot of Bible verses that I'm going to read today. And uh, here's the reality. Nobody in Scripture spoke of hell more than Jesus did. So that, I mean, that should, that's our authority, right? I mean, none of us really know what hell is like, but Jesus does. And no one spoke of it in more terrible terms than Jesus did. Jesus calls hell uh, eternal punishment in Matthew 25, 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So we don't know. We don't know as we look at this and we read the Bible, we don't know if the Bible is speaking symbolically or metaphorically about is, is hell uh, eternally, is eternal eternal? It appears to be that eternal means eternal because we're going to take the eternal life part. How many, how many of you want to go to heaven eternally? You don't want to go for three weeks and say, well, your trip's over, now you're going to hell. <laughs> you know, we don't, want, we don't want heaven to be partially eternal. We want it to be eternal. So we would say in the same way, Jesus said eternal death, eternal life. You go to hell, you go to heaven eternally. Uh, he says it's eternal fire. Is it really a fire? Is it really a fire? Or is it just something, is it metaphorically like a fire? We don't know. But, it, but if, if it's so much like a fire that it feels like fire and acts like fire, then that's misery. Matthew 18, 8, if your hand or your foot cause you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into eternal fire, unquenchable fire. If your hand cause you to stumble, cut it off. Better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. That would that'd be what they would use to, to thresh wheat or to, to uh, get the chaff out of wheat. In other words, they would, the wind, they would throw it into a pile of wheat on the threshing floor and they'd throw it up in the air and the wind would blow the chaff, the chaff away, and it would leave the wheat. So he's saying Jesus is at the, is, think of Jesus at the last harvest. He's going to throw everybody up in the air, <laughs> and the sinners are going to blow away. Uh, hit, to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. 
In the story that Jesus told about Lazarus and the rich man, this is what, you know, so Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom in paradise, and Lazarus is in hell. And so he called him to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip his tongue, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Luke 16, 28, he says, for I have five brothers, let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. Jesus said, hell is outer darkness. Matthew 8, 12, but the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can you imagine spending eternity living with your regrets? Missed opportunities. In other words, times that I could have responded to God, I should have responded to God, I had opportunity to respond to God, but I did. Gnashing of teeth is that is the agony of regret when you think, oh, why did I do? Have you ever done that? Why did I do that? One, one of the, those moments when we were in when we were in uh, the Czech Republic a couple of years ago doing a mission trip with a, a lot of people in the church went and we had a group one day and we we needed to exchange some money and so uh, there's exchange places all over the place and uh, and so we we needed to, it was me and exchange some money and. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Tim and Lauren came to me and said, hey, there's a guy over here that will exchange. He'll give us a really good exchange rate. Really throwing them up. And in most of those places, you've got, you've got exchange rates, and you've got, I'm really throwing them under the bus on this. <laughs> you don't remember the story this way? This is exactly the right way I remember it. It was all them. It was all them. It wasn't me. Anyway, anyway, one, so it, maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was all me. Anyway, here's what happened. The guy cheated us. And he, what he gave us, he, there, you know, because when you're looking at foreign money, when you're not used to looking at money from the Czech Republic and from Hungary and Bulgaria, and, I mean, a lot of places have the euro, and they use, but, but a lot of places, like at that time, the Czech Republic was not using the euro, so they had their own currency, the Kronos. And so you look at it, <laughs> you can't read it anyway, you know, and so you look at it, and so he hands you money, and you think, and he got about 50 steps away, and I realized this is not the right money. And that he had cheated me. And what he had given me, instead of being worth $300, was worth about $80. And I was like, and that, you know what I did? I went, oh, well, you idiot. You know, you know better than that. You know better than that. I knew better. And I was like, oh. It's all Tim and Lauren's fault. <laughs> it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. But that, can you imagine, see, that's eternity. Can you imagine in, her, in eternity, it's been eternity, thinking about all the things you regret instead of thinking about the glories of God and his presence? It's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And it's funny the way that this says this. Uh, in, does, the NIV doesn't bear this out. But then the king told the attendants, time, hand, and foot. Wait, wait. Mark 9, 47. And if your eye caused you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the worms that eat who do not die. It's like, it's like you have your own worm. <laughs> Who's that? 
Who's that chewing on you? Oh, that's Fred. He's always with me. He's the worm that doesn't die. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why Fred would be a good worm name, but it just came to me. Uh, I'm sorry if your name is Fred. Uh, so, you know, it just shows it's a place of, it's a place of torment. And it shows us that it's not something we choose, but it's something we are cast into hell. In other words, God chooses us. The, it, is, it is something that is determined by the righteous judgment of God. No one can judge whether people are going to heaven or hell but God. We have to be really careful in our language. We need to be really careful when we communicate with people. We should never say to people, you're going to hell, because we don't know. And we don't know if someone who died, they may have been the worst person in the world and died, and they may have gone to heaven because in the moments of their death, they called upon God in mercy, and God gave them mercy and forgiveness because he is a God of mercy and forgiveness because Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness. So we don't, we don't know whether someone died, even they were a, a, a horrible rascal. We don't know if they're in heaven or not, we can, because we can't make that judgment. Only, only God can make that judgment. So, but the Bible teaches us that this is something that the righteous judge, the God who, the only one who can judge righteously determines whether people are cast into hell or not. Luke 12, 5, but I will show you to whom... Sh- you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So the Bible tells us that we need to fear God. That means reverence. There should be a reverence for God. We should respect what he has called us and said to us as the truth. We should, because what he has said is the truth, that so we won't be thrown into outer darkness, or as one scripture says, away from the, to the Lord. And I don't, we probably could never comprehend what misery that is. To be away from the presence of the Lord. No one, the, the most, the vilest sinner, whoever that is, among us or us or me, the vilest sinner has never experienced away from the presence of the Lord. This whole universe is held together by the very words of God, by the will of God. It exists. What everything you see exists because God spoke it into being. It, God exists outside of his creation and he spoke it into creation. And it exists because of him. And we've never experienced any place away from his presence. You've always, without even recognizing it, you have been immersed in the spirit and the power of God because God's word holds you together. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So God is the judge in this. God is the judge in these reckonings, not, not us. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. So, so God then, Jesus said, then God should be reverenced. He should be feared. We, sh- we, should, we should recognize that God loves us, but we also recognize that God's holy. And the reason that Jesus had to die because the reason Jesus died is because our sin separated us from God and the wrath of God was upon us. The due wrath of God for our sins was upon us. And Jesus died so that the wrath of God could be met because we are sinners separated from God except by the grace of Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. 
Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Revelation 20, 11. Now, this is at the end of time, as we know it. It is what's referred to as the great white throne judgment where God judges everybody. Then I saw a great four of them and him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. This is going to be the best Netflix series you have ever seen. <laughs> Think about it. It's going to take about a billion years. Uh, so, the, and then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So we see there's two books at the final judgment. One is the book of the deeds that everybody's done. So there's, there's two ways to get to heaven. One is to get to heaven by your deeds. And if your deeds are worthy and good and righteous... You'll go to heaven. How many people are in that list? Well, there's one. It's Jesus, but, but nobody else. Because the Bible says there's none righteous. There's no not one. There's no one that seeks after God. So this is where we have trouble. We have trouble saying, well, what about the heathen who have never heard from God? The heathen who never got an opportunity to hear about Jesus. It's, that's not fair. What makes it fair is that if you haven't heard of Jesus, if you read through the book of Romans, the, especially the first three chapters, he clarifies this really well, is that if you haven't heard from Jesus, the revelation that you have about God, because we all have a revelation of God. When we look, when we look at the sunrise and we think, wow, that is incredible. Wow. This, this, and we even look at pictures through the Hubble telescope and we say, wow, what a beautiful universe. Look at all these, these things that we can't even see are still beautiful. We can, we, can, we can have barely in the last few years made the ability to observe them, but they were still incredibly beautiful before we could observe them because somebody else could always observe them. So God created this huge universe that's, you know, scientists say it was 14 billion years old, that is maybe 70 billion light years across, and they don't know what's outside of that, if there's anything outside of this, and all kinds of theories. But in all of those things, God's created this incredible universe, and in that, that is a testimony of who God is. The heavens declare the glory of God. So we each, if you've never heard from God, there was a witness of God in your heart. There was a testimony that there is a God who has made everything because it's here. It's made. We think, who made all? Somebody had to make all of this. Somebody made this creation with this incredible diversity. So, you know, why did the, I don't understand. We talk about evolution. Why did the shark decide, decide to stay the same way? I mean, sharks should be all wearing suits, walking around. Maybe they are. <laughs> They've got a TV show, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, I mean, if, they, if evolution, why, why did certain say, well, here's a crab, and this is the way crabs have always looked? So a crab's just decided, I'm, I'm perfect. So a crab looked up in the mirror and said, 
I'm not getting better. I'm the best I'm ever going to be. So many, so many things that we think for 14 billion years, they didn't change, but yet, you know, some things are evolving, we would say, even right now. So, uh, so the, it's a conundrum for us. It's difficulty. But we have this, we have this evidence of who God is. So if, you, if there's two ways to get to heaven, either you're going to get to heaven on your good works, or you're going to get to heaven because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because by his blood, he wrote your name in his book. So when it comes to judgment, when it comes to your time to judgment, and everybody says, man, oh, look, this is going to be a good one. I can't wait to see this guy's life. And they say, oh, oh, this guy's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Next. Go on, to, go on into the joys of the Lord. See, what if, see, so what are the people who have never heard the gospel, what are they judged by? They are judged by their own standard of judgment. In other words, can you imagine being judged by your own standard of judgment? You ever judged anybody for not being truthful enough, or not being honest enough, or not being loving enough, or not being caring enough, or not being giving enough, or generous enough to you? You know, we all make judgment. That's why God, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. So if we're not, if we're, if we're not judged because our, lamb, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, we're judged by our actions, we're all guilty. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. So why will be anyone in hell? Why will anyone be in hell? Why will anyone be in hell? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is because the wrath of God is against sin. And you know, I talked about this last week. One of the things that we talk about, we recognize is that in the gospels, it doesn't talk about particular sins as much as it does as Jesus talks about believing on him. The, the most important thing is to believe on him. In, in, in the epistles, the, the epistles are written to believers and the epistles being written to believers, it talks about specific sins that you need to stop doing. So you know why we can stop doing sin? Because Jesus has come into our heart and he's empowered us by, he's given us the Holy Spirit. Now we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And what we were, we're not any longer. So now we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And now empowered by what Christ has done in us, we can be calling us from what he has called us to be. So he's calling us to himself to be like him. But he talks about the wrath of God. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And we tend, to, you know, we tend to focus on the sexual immorality part. We don't like the greed and idolatry part. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Ephesians 5. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So people are in hell because God's wrath is coming upon sinners, and it's become on unrighteousness in general, Romans chapter 2. But because of your stubborn, stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person. This is speaking of that last judgment, see? 
God will repay each person according to what they've done. And you're going to be, if, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to be judged on your behavior. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to be judged upon his behavior. <laughs> Are you thankful for that? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the God, ungodliness, the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So what's the truth? What's the truth that is suppressed? The truth that is suppressed is believing on Christ as our way to salvation, of trying to save ourselves or looking to other methods of salvation, but rejecting God's provision. God provided a way for us to be saved. He provided us a way for us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And the greatest sin is to reject that. To think that the God of the universe has offered us the gift of eternal life and to look him in the face and go, nah. Hate it. Don't want it. John 3, 36. You, you remember what comes before this? We all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Next verse. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Because he says, for those who don't believe have been condemned already. The important thing is to put your faith and your belief in Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who ever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. The great sin, the great sin is to refuse to receive the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. John, Jesus said, John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. So why does then hell exist? Hell exists for a couple of reasons. Hell exists to deal righteously with Satan. Satan rebelled against God and he's, he will be eternally punished for it. Jesus said, depart from me, you who are cursed in the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So God has prepared a place where Satan and his rebellious angels will be punished. And a place to deal righteously with unbelievers for those that have rejected God's provision of salvation. He will punish those who don't know God. And who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, this power is with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. So God is going to deal with people who don't know Jesus. Hell is important because hell allows a way for there to be justice in a world that is not just. Did you know that there are murderers that don't ever get caught there are thieves who never get caught. And there are child molesters who never get caught. But you know what? They're going to get caught in heaven. They're going to get caught in hell. They're going to get caught at the last judgment. God is a God of justice. And if they can't stand 
on the sacrifice of Christ, paying the price for their sins, they're going to get what they deserve, not what they don't deserve in Christ. Here's the reality. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And the scripture, I mean, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that you don't have to go to hell. Jesus came so that nobody would have to go to hell. Because he's not willing that anyone would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God doesn't want us to perish in hell. He wants us to spend eternity with him. He's made a provision through Jesus Christ so that we would spend eternity with him, not be separated from him. That's his desire. His desire is for all of us, every one of us, to spend eternity with him as his children, as his sons. The, the purpose of creation, the purpose of everything you see is so that God could bring you into his eternal presence. Not because he needed you, because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit lacked nothing, needed nothing, but out of the overabundance of their love, they chose to create us, create us, nothing existed that they haven't created. They chose to create us and bring us out of time. Think how incredible this is. God chose to create us in time, then redeem us with the eternal work of Christ, and through that, to bring us into his eternal family. That whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is an incredible feat. Only God could pull off. He proved it by sending Jesus. So why is it important to believe the right thing about hell? Well, if unbelievers don't believe in hell, he's likely to reject Christ without any fear of God. Now, hell is not, you know, we don't want to just come to Jesus because we don't want to go to hell. We don't want to just get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, that's because it's not about just escaping hell. It's about entering into a relationship, an eternal relationship with God the Father. It's about an eternal relationship that is provided to us through the perfect work of Christ on the cross. That's what it's about. But in doing that, we escape hell. And if we ignore it, if we reject it, we earn the just wrath of God on our behavior because we've rejected the provision to get out of hell. Hell helps unbelievers come to terms with the need to receive Christ as their Savior. Think about this. How many would go the speed limit if there were no repercussions? I mean, you might some days because you weren't in a hurry. There is a day that you're not in a hurry. I'm not sure when that day is coming, but there will be some day when you're not in a hurry, right? And so you don't have to get to work on time or be here on time or just the, the... if you're Logan, just the sheer joy of going fast, right? And, and not just Logan, Eric Staggs. And I, I mean, I could, there's, there's many sinners in this crowd, I could point out. All of us. I mean, how many of us actually go the exact speed limit all the time? None of us. But the reason we stay, with, the reason we stay somewhat close to it is because there are repercussions if we don't. 
In other words, so the, the repercussions keep us in check. So God gives us the reality, it, it's to help us realize. How many of you would pay your taxes if there was no IRS and no penalty for not paying taxes? How many of you say, I'm giving it to them anyway? I just love the government. I love the way they spend money. I love what they do with it. I love it that they spend $400 on a hammer that they can buy at true value for $4. I love that about the government. And I want to give them as much money as I possibly can. Can I see that hand? Because if you came in a bus, we'll wait. Any of those things, right? <laughs> Nobody. So what, what, what causes us to do it? Repercussions. Does, is there anything worse? I hate getting mail from the IRS. You get a letter, and occasionally, occasionally, we'll get a letter here at the church. And, and here's what these letters will often say. You did something wrong. If you've gotten these, in paying your quarterly taxes, you made a mistake. They don't tell you what you did wrong, and if you call them, they don't know. But they just want to let you know, we're watching you, and if you do it again, you could be in trouble. Probably not, but you could be, but you better watch it, because we could come after you. We could really hurt you. We probably won't, but we could. <laughs> and so you get one of those letters, then you're going to have diarrhea. <laughs> <And> then... <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was a little too transparent, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, where was I? We were talking about hell. Hell's better than talking about that. You see, think about this. You go to the Grand Canyon, and you, and you, you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and it's just glorious. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Well, here's what I want to tell you. If you go to the Grand Canyon, don't step over the edge. And a lot of people do that. They get too close. You know why they get too close? Because they don't have any fear. They don't have any respect. They, they're in awe of the beauty, and they think, I'm going to take one more step out. Of, oh, I'm going to jump out here on this rock. And they miss. I mean, every year, every year the Grand Canyon, 20 or 30 people die. You think, Why? Because they don't fear it. They don't reverence. See, the Grand Canyon is beautiful, but there's a power there that if you don't respect it, it will kill you. You have to respect that. I, I, I can imagine. I, when I, the first time that I got to see the ocean was unbelievable. I grew up in Abilene, Texas. Now, I don't know if you know about Abilene, Texas, but Abilene, if you look up the definition of ugly... It's just not a, it's not a pretty terrain. I don't, now, if you like that arid southwest, everything's dead look, uh, only thing that can grow is mesquite trees. If you like that, it's beautiful, but I don't particularly like that. And it's red dirt. And we had one lake, Lake Fort Phantom. And, I went to, and Abilene's got red dirt. And I want to tell you, we swam in Lake Fort Phantom, and we did, you know, ski and all that stuff. But Lake Fort Phantom, when you were in the water, you could put your hand right here, and you could not see your hand in front of your face. It was a milky red water. Stood on the first time that I got to go to Pensacola, Florida. 
And I stood on the edge of the ocean, or actually the Gulf of Mexico, but you know, same thing. And you're standing on this, and it's like, I, I, thought, that white, I thought that white sand that I'd only ever seen in ashtrays, <laughs> right? I'd never seen any place else but ashtrays. I thought, I thought that was manufactured. I thought like somehow they took the sand like they have at Galveston. It's brown and full of oil. And they took it someplace and dyed it and cleaned it up and made it pretty and white. I had no idea that there were miles and miles of it. And you could walk to the edge of the water and you could walk down into the water and you could see your feet. <laughs> the water's beautifully clear. And you could stand on the edge and just be in a, amazed. At, at the ma- majestic ocean, just the waves just keep coming and keep coming. And it's beautiful and it's blue and it's majestic. But you don't just start take off swimming and think, I think I'll swim to the other side. Because if you do, it'll kill you. Because it's beautiful and it's majestic. But it's also powerful and deadly. You can't presume upon the love of God because he's beautiful and his love is incredible and think I'm going to not fear and reverence who he is I love the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe where Susan is talking to Mr. Beaver this is the only Mr. Beaver that I like that's a whole other story but Aslan is a lion the lion, the great lion oh said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about He's the king. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. You see, God is beautiful and glorious and majestic and And he's by his love has provided a way for us to be in relationship with him. But we have to understand he's also at the same time he is love he is also perfectly holy. And we cannot be in his presence unless our sin is dealt with through the righteousness of Christ. And through his righteousness through what Christ has done for us. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved, we receive that life so that we stand with God before God. We can be in the presence of God. We can boldly come before the throne of grace because our sins, our unrighteousness, our unholiness, our imperfections have been covered totally, completely, fully by the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen? And so we, we, we can't take lightly, oh, God is love. Yes, he is. Is God full of grace and forgiveness? Yes, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could receive it. But you have to receive it. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Why do believers need to believe in hell? Why do we need to believe in hell? Because if we don't believe in hell, we won't be motivated to share Christ. We need to believe that lost people are lost. And they're not just lost, Google Maps lost, they're eternally lost. 
They're lost without God for eternity, and it's important. Matthew 18, 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Jesus came to save us from hell. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. He, he took the agony cross to save us. He was motivated to save us from hell. Jesus does, didn't want you lost, so Jesus didn't want you and I lost, so he came and died in our place so that we don't go to hell. And that should motivate us. We should look around and say, I don't want anyone that I love to go to hell. I don't want anyone to go to hell. It should concern me. It should, it should call me to the lost. It should motivate me to care about the lost. It should motivate me to pray about people around me. It should motivate me to give money, to send missionaries around, around the world to carry the gospel to people who have never heard so that I, everyone can hear about the good news of Jesus Christ and not be lost. We should be motivated because it is not just temporary. It's an eternal price. We should care about the people around us. I want to tell you, you don't have to go to the other side of the world to preach the gospel. And I would encourage you not to go door to door and start telling people they're going to hell. Because that's not very effective. But I would encourage you to love the people around you enough that you'd start praying for them. You see, because God has put you in a mission field. Are there a bunch of sinners and reprobates that you work with? And you think, oh, God, I wish you'd put me with more Christians. Why, did he, why do you think he put you where you are? Because they're going to hell. And they need somebody to tell them the truth. You were lost until somebody told you the message. You were lost until somebody told you about the glorious news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins. And you can receive and believe on him and be free from your sins and spend eternity with God. That you can change your life by believing on what Jesus Christ accomplished for you. And that good news is there. And we should, because we don't want anybody else in the agony of hell, it should motivate us, the people around us that don't know Jesus, our mission field. And we've all got one. Maybe two, it may be 10, it may be 300. But there are people around you that you should be praying for. And about hell. God opens an opportunity not to talk to him about hell, Hell is your motivator, but to talk to him about your Savior. You see the difference? Hell I don't want them to go to hell because so since I don't want them to go to hell, I'm going to tell them about how much God loves them so that they could be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. If you're here today, you've never received Christ as your Savior. I want to tell you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And the reason it sounds so easy is because Jesus paid the price. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to crawl on your knees on broken glass. You don't have to earn your way to God. Jesus paid the price so that you could receive total and complete forgiveness through what he did for us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And believe is not easy believism. It's not, oh, I believe, so now I can do what I want. Jesus never said that. It's to put your weight on it. I said in the first service, like this stool. There's, I can believe this is a stool. I said in the first service it was a chair. But that's one of the reasons I got married was to someone correct me. And uh, so I was told this is not a chair. <laughs> this is a stool. 
If you feel like you're not being corrected enough, get married. Uh, <laughs> right? I mean, I correct her. I do the exact same thing to her. I would, if I was up here, if she was up here and I was up there, and when she said, uh, on this chair, I would have said under my breath, that's a stool. I would have done that. It's just, we, we give each other that gift of correction, right? But we put our weight on it. We rest on it. And that's what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to rest, to rest into him, to trust him. Put the weight of your life into him. Believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. I want to just tell you, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You can pray something like this. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and change my life. I give you all of my life. I surrender myself to you as the Lord of my life. I take this first step to receive salvation from you. I believe on you. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that you're that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life and I receive it today in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that you would, as, as believers, that you would empower us, Lord, that we would be encouraged to reach the lost because people who don't know you are lost and they're not just lost now, they're lost eternally and they need to know who Jesus is and that he died for their sins and to satisfy the wrath of God so that they don't have to go to hell. They can go and spend eternity with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.